HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Neil's Yard Dairy. Selecting, maturing, and selling farmhouse cheese from the UK and Ireland. For more information, visit neilsyarddairy.co.uk. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello, this is Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd on Heritage Radio Network. This week's guest is Liz Thorpe, author of The Book of Cheese, The Essential Guide to Discovering Cheeses You'll Like, Love. Welcome, Liz. Like and love. Thanks for having (laughs) me. It's a pleasure to be here. You're very welcome. It's great to see you again. I know. How long have you been gone from New York? Three years ago, this Past month. Oh, okay. September of 2014, I moved. Okay, so you left Murray's first and then left New York later. Correct. I left Murray's in 2012 mm-hmm. and and then New York in 2014. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you like New Orleans? I love it, but you don't say it that way. Oh. oh tisk tisk. <laughs> it's oh, it's how do New you say Orleans. It? Or, oh, okay. Um, no, the, some, of, some of the locals say it, New Orleans, in this way that I feel very, um, it's like when I say howda instead of gouda. Oh. I, it's like technically <laughs> correct, but I feel silly saying it. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, New Orleans. Okay. And I love it. It's great. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's, there's like a very weird Brooklyn, New Orleans connection mm-hmm. happening right now. So oh, in cool. many ways, it's like... Your home. It's Brooklyn South. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, congratulations on the book. It's quite a tome. Thank you. Yeah, it's a big book. <laughs> I'm like, it better be, man. It took a long time to make it to make it to the light of day. So Well, it's big, it's long, and it's serious. Yes. It's even scholarly. Um it, it yeah, it was meant to be well, it was meant to be a definitive, the, the definitive book. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I officially have nothing left to say about cheese 
<laughs> I have written three. I have. I co- well, I technically co-authored my my first book on cheese, the Murray's Cheese Handbook, and then mm-hmm. I wrote the Cheese Chronicles, and then I wrote the Book of Cheese. So mm-hmm. that's a lot of talk about cheese. <laughs> well, the Chronicles were different than they, this book. They were. They were. But I guess like this is. This was it. I was going to be my last one. It was going to be big. It was going to be good. No, and I wanted it to be... Um, well, you might have something more to say in 10 years. Maybe. There'll be new but cheeses. But hopefully... I mean, actually, no, to be sort of like with all very deep and due respect to Mr. Stephen Jenkins, who wrote Cheese Primer, mm-hmm. which was the book that got me into cheese mm-hmm. um, back in 2001, mm-hmm. and it was published in 96. But that's still a book that I... People say, like, what's the one book I buy? Not about pairing, not about cheese place, but just, mm-hmm. like, because I want to learn about cheese. And and I say, like... It's a great reference book. I say cheese primer, but it's, like, now it's 20 years old. Right. So, mm-hmm. anyway, so this is this is hopefully the new, okay. the new one. Okay, so uh, first I want to ask, let's talk about how the idea developed. Is this the book you set out to write? It is, very much. I actually, like, yes, I had the idea... Mm-hmm. sort of the outline for the book years ago. Okay. How many, when When do you think you started it? How many years ago? Well, I mean, it's really like, it's how I learned to sell cheese over 15 years of working in cheese. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it's been forming for all that time. But I mean, I signed the contract to write this book uh, like four years ago. Okay. And at that time, I knew I had this concept and I knew I wanted to kind of restructure how people understood cheese. And and I had this idea of the gateway cheeses. So Mm -hmm. I'd say at least four years. Okay. Now, I was going to ask, when did you develop your gateway concept? And can you explain it simply for our listeners? Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say truly like I was using this idea to sell cheese on the counter at Murray's Cheese in 2003. Okay. Um, when you first the, started working. At that working. time, I didn't have a nice, neat little phrase for it. But when I started working in cheese on the counter, um, this was this was how I learned to sell cheese. And so the sort of like the elevator pitches that I believe there are a handful of common, very general cheese names that most people are familiar with mm-hmm. and that we can use, the I, and I now call those the gateway cheeses, and that... You, those can be used to map out the entire world of cheese. So mm-hmm. the way that you can take people from what they know to what they don't yet know is by starting with this common, very general jumping off point. So cheese is like cheddar, Swiss, blue, mm-hmm. um, that like everybody knows. Mm-hmm. You can take that and you can get people to Pleasant Ridge Reserve or mm-hmm. Alp Lock or, mm-hmm. you know, something that they wherever may, you want to take them they may have never mm-hmm. heard of yeah um but it's very different because most of the cheese books use different categorizations yeah totally and all of my other books like i mean i've been struggling with how to categorize cheese my whole career because mm-hmm. as a sort of dutiful nerdy person i mm-hmm. like the technicalities um but that's not i don't that is not helpful to a consumer. Mm-hmm. So those of us who are like in the biz like to debate the merits of, you know, soft ripened versus bloomy rind. But if you're a person who's standing in a store trying to buy cheese for your party or your kid's lunch, mm-hmm. you don't care. You don't have time. Um, and you just want, you know, you need an easy access point. Mm-hmm. So I believe that the way we change how 
the, the way we change how people eat is to meet people where they are. Mm-hmm. Were you ever frightened uh, by what a big undertaking this book was? Oh, that's an interesting question. No, not really, because I'm, I mean, I'm, I've always written, I've, you know, writing is something I enjoy, and um, honestly, like, the book kind of wrote itself. Um, oh, I, I did had, a, that was one of my questions. Did the book, which parts I mean, wrote, it se- wrote, I, wrote themselves? Yeah, I mean, I agonized, oh, like, Cheese Chronicles, I had much more agony over writing. This mm-hmm. book was really, like, put my head down and do the work, mm-hmm. but, um, I mean, I, I think like I really had this framework to hang it on. So it mm-hmm. was it was just a lot of tasting and note taking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, you um, to people who haven't seen the book yet, uh, every chapter, which is a gateway, which we'll discuss later, includes also the availability and intensity chart. Yep. Do you want to describe that? Yep. So, um there's a gateway cheese, and I use that to, you know, as as a as a gateway into twenty or thirty or forty cheeses that are mm-hmm. of a similar flavor profile. So, mm-hmm. this book for me is really about flavor because, again, I think consumers and eaters are less interested in the technicalities. They know they like the taste of something or they don't like the taste of something. So, I'm I really key off of flavor in this mm-hmm. book, and so. I have found in all my tasting over all my years in cheese that there's, um, you know, similar flavors that correspond to each gateway. And Mm -hmm. I kind of rank those in intensity on a scale of one to 10. Mm -hmm. So, for example, an approachable or a mild brie type Mm -hmm. might taste like milk or cream, but in an intense brie type tastes like cooked cruciferous vegetable like cauliflower and broccoli Mm -hmm. so there's a there's a spectrum of flavor but there's always going to be milky buttery notes that's like throughout the whole Mm -hmm. group Mm -hmm. and then in terms of availability is it something you can buy in any supermarket um very readily available or is it a hyper obscure cheese you can only mail order from maybe one or two places Mm -hmm. around the country Mm -hmm. because again and I, I will say, leaving New York has been really mind blowing <laughs> for me because New Yorkers were spoiled. Y'all take advantage. You, 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 you take for granted what you have, and you forget that it's not like that everywhere right. else. Um, so, you know, I I wanted to focus this book on cheeses that were going to be pretty readily available mm-hmm. on a national scale. Mm-hmm. So her, she has a chart on every in every gateway that goes from. Uh, mellow to intense on the bottom mm-hmm. and then goes up in terms of how hard it is to find the yeah, cheese. Yeah, and I like it because it's just kind of, it's like a double page spread. And so if there's one cheese on that double page spread, like one out of 40 that you know, mm-hmm. that you like, then you can immediately see all the cheeses that are right around it. And mm-hmm. those are going to be all the cheeses that are closest to it in flavor. And like, chances are you're going to love all of those as well. Mm-hmm. It's just a helpful, I'm visual that way. Right. And then you have uh, for each chapter an explanation of the particular gateway and your ideas, uh, how you developed it. Yeah, I like, again, because I'm a writer and I like writing. So every every chapter has an essay and it's sort of like, what? why is this a gateway cheese for mm-hmm. me? Mm-hmm. Um, or the story what's behind. The story or sort of like what was the moment mm-hmm. where, you know, I had some experience that really like changed how I thought about that cheese. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of like, if you want to read more personal stuff, great. And if you want to skip those two pages, you you won't 
you won't lose any any, any. <laughs> necessary information. <laughs> okay. Then comes the chapter guide that has important facts, pretty much. Yes. That's where you get all the FAQs out of the way. Okay. So, okay. Because everybody always asks us, and I say us because I, I assume there's lots of cheese folks who listen to the show, but like, do I eat the rind? How long is it good for in my refrigerator? Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, what is a bloomy rind? What does that mean? Why does it look that way? You know, so I get all that out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and those things applied to the entire entire chapter. So like, I don't want to be repeating that stuff right. over and over right. again. Then you have a section on textures and that flavor wheel. Yeah. Now, that flavor wheel was a bit daunting for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of words on there. <laughs> I'm like, blame the Comte people. (laughs) No, so again, this book for me is really about, it is about taste. It's about flavor because I think that's really what people care about. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I find delightful but kind of presumptuous and annoying about cheese is is talking about what it tastes like because, Mm -hmm. again, when I get in a room of like regular people – it's intimidating to them that we say it's like stone and minerals right, and right. all this stuff. And people are sort of like, well, like, I don't know what that right. means. We have too many fancy yeah, words. Like I, I, it, that's, to me, that's what makes cheese feel less accessible. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to just, I wanted to define what, the, what are the flavors and aromas that are likely to be found in the world of cheese and then which ones apply to each gateway. Mm-hmm. So like when you're in the Brie gateway, there's lots of lactic aromas and smells and lots of fungal aromas and smells. And like, there's not a lot of, you know, fruity smells mm-hmm. and, and tastes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of, I, I, and again, it's all subjective, right? But it, to me, it's sort of like, here's the ballpark of flavor and aroma that you're going to be in. Mm-hmm. And and I did, I was joking about the Comte people, but they Comte has this amazing graphic that they use and it's all the flavors and aromas that can possibly apply just to that one cheese. Mm-hmm. So I took that idea as inspiration, but for the world of cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then turned it on or turned it off, depending on the chapter. <laughs> okay, so you're, uh, that's new. You invented those words. I did. Okay. Yeah. Yes, it got edited <laughs> down many times, so it could have been much more intimidating. <laughs> I think that won't be a page that the newcomers focus on. <laughs> no, I mean that's true. I feel like that's why this is a book like it's meant for it's meant for anyone who loves cheese and is interested but also there's stuff in there that I that I feel like I really put in there for the if not for the industry then at least for like the hardcore right and, or for people nerds. who want to learn how to sell. Yeah, yeah, and actually I've gotten a lot of mm-hmm. I've heard a lot from people who sell cheese who've have, have found it helpful, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Good. So then then comes the long list of included cheeses in the category. Yep. And there's a, a short blurb on the side of the page and a longer blurb describing them. Yes, again, because I like to give choices. So you want to read the full paragraph, settle in and read it. If you right. want, like, what's the... What does it taste like? What is it? What's the texture? Mm-hmm. In, a, in a few words or less, right. how do you describe it? Mm-hmm. So you get the short and the long. Now, and you have an in short yes. category where you just, it's a phrase. Yes. Sometimes a word, sometimes a phrase. Some are very funny. Some are specific. Yeah. 
Some are more earnest. Some are less weren't, earnest. Weren't those hard sometimes? They were. They were really hard. once you decided to do it, you had to do it for all cheeses. And, and it's like when you're in a chapter with 40 cheeses that are all essentially like, they're not the same, but they're really similar. That's why they're all in the same chapter. So I'd come up with one really good one. And then I was like, well, that kind of applies to like the next six cheeses, but I can't repeat it. <laughs> right, right. So, um, yeah, that was hard. There was a little creative push-pull there. Yeah, I could almost imagine like, oh, this was a mistake. Like, I should I always, not have I like, done this. I'm like, this. I, drink, I drink when I write, not a lot, but like, you a know, little. I have like, a, I always have a drink when I write and mm-hmm. that helps. <laughs> loosens everything up a bit. <laughs> then at the end, before we we're not done with the chapter yet, even the Havarti chapter is 35 pages. That's right. Uh, there's a bunch of your special picks yep. and tastings to mm-hmm. do that will be educational and pairing. So you have everything in this book. Yeah. Well, I wanted it to be <laughs> definitive, right? So, you know, but again, it's like, it's, um, I'm a generalist. So the pairings, I'm actually probably, I, I love the flavor and aroma wheel and I love the pairings approach because Mm -hmm. there are a lot of books out there that are very, that are focused on cheese pairing cheese and something. Mm -hmm. And, um, what I always find frustrating about that is like, if you don't have that particular cheese and that particular wine, the pairing, you can't do the pairing. Mm -hmm. And, and also, it's like sort of the rationale behind the pairing is very specific and it's very prescriptive. And I'm so I wanted to be more general and basically mm-hmm. say, here are the types of flavors you're going to encounter and here are the types of pairings that are going to work. And here's why. So that mm-hmm. you you feel like you have some flexibility there. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it could be any cheese on the approachable end of the right, flavor spectrum. Right. Right. And, and you can try anything, and and who cares if it doesn't totally work? Yeah, and it's just like, it doesn't have to be this vineyard and this vintage. It could right. just be this, you know, this grape and this style. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, now what parts did you work on first? What were the hardest parts? Um, the parts I worked on first, so... I mean, I, I, the parts I worked on first were, were the descriptions. Cause there's mm-hmm. like, I don't even, you might, you might've counted or something, but there's like hundreds of cheeses in the, in the book. So I was kind of just, the descriptions are the descriptions mm-hmm. and, and I was working on those from day one. And, and that to me is like the put your head down and mm-hmm. get it done stuff. Mm-hmm. And you, and some of them you had probably done before. Yes. Or had yes. an outline. I mean, certainly like, yes, I've written mm-hmm. God's plenty of cheese descriptions right. in my life. So. Um, so that was kind of just like, you got to be working on it mm-hmm, throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I would say the, the hardest part was kind of, the hardest part was deciding what my nine gateway cheeses were oh. and then deciding oh. what cheeses were going to go in what gateways. And it, for like 85% of them, it was very obvious to me, but then for 15% of them, there was a lot of like mm-hmm. tasting and going back and forth and sort of rejiggering things, mm-hmm. um, and that was, you know, that was challenging. Yeah, yeah. How long um, did the book take? How many, how many hours a week did you work? Um, I mean, the process of making a book is is quite slow. Mm-hmm. Um, so the writing was about a year and a half, but mm-hmm. um, but the actual production of the book was was like 
three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, how much time did I spend on it? I don't know. I didn't keep track. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> I was, you know, I, I wrote some every day, mm-hmm. five days a week. Um, but, you know, I did a ton of work before I moved from Brooklyn. Um, and there was a group of people, a New York based group of cheese people who are all incredibly smart, talented people. And they did a lot of, t- I did a lot of group tastings with them kind of before I wrote anything. Mm. And that was so, I mean, did they like the that, gateways? Do that with your friends. Um, they did like the gateways, um, but I think that the general reservation that cheese people have to this concept is that it's like too too dumbed down, <laughs> you know? And they were kind of resistant to like to that level of grouping. Um, mm-hmm. But my experience has been very all over the country, and mm-hmm. I just this for me was a book for people who were afraid of cheese, but loved it and wanted to sort of be less afraid. Mm -hmm. And so that I, I, I hung on firmly to this concept (laughs) and I love it and I, I'm really into it. Mm -hmm. Now, um, before we get to the actual gateways, how did you ever even select which cheeses to include in the book? That's a really good question. you have some obvious ones, like Montgomery Cheddar and Burrata, let's say. Yes. You have some I've never heard of or have not tasted yet, like Via Mala Mm -hmm. and Cora Lynn Mm -hmm. and Boont Corners, Mm -hmm. I don't know. And then you have some old friends like Poda Classico and Leite Vaz. Yes. I mean, you know, who I haven't eaten or seen recently, but yeah. who I'd, I was, my mouth would water when I came across You're old like, friends. Oh, yes. It's like that dress in the back of my closet I forgot about. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that, that's, that's a really good question. And there's no, well, no, I shouldn't say there's no rhyme or reason to it. The biggest criteria for me about what to include was, I wanted the book to be primarily cheese. For, first of all, it's written for an American audience. Okay. So I wanted it to be focused on cheeses that most Americans would be able to find relatively easily. Okay. That was my biggest criteria. So this book also includes things like Jarlsberg. It does. Which, like, I'll be the first person to say, like, <laughs> I don't eat Jarlsberg. I don't particularly like it. Um, but... I would be remiss to exclude it because it is a tremendously important cheese in the landscape of of cheese retail in this country. Mm-hmm. And the number of consumers who only know Jarlsberg mm-hmm. as like a Swiss cheese, even though it's not actually, you know, made in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like that is the reference point for thousands of shoppers. Mm-hmm. So like I wanted it there. And in the book, I say, I don't particularly like this cheese. And I think there are many better cheeses for your money. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not going to leave it out because that's where a lot of people are starting. Um, So I I wanted it to be primarily nationally available cheeses. Um, And then... So that makes it go down on the availability scale. Yeah, because I also... Like, I don't want a book that's full of stuff that you can only mail order from two places. Like, that doesn't... I don't think that's helpful for most people. So... Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then there were cheeses that, um, you know, again, it's interesting because now that I'm based in New Orleans, like my, uh, my tasting was done. My, my local independent shop is called St. James Cheese Company. They're an amazing retailer. They have a great selection. It's very, it's mm-hmm. constantly changing. But they, for example, have a really deep selection of 
southern regional cheeses that Mm -hmm. many of which you don't see up in the northeast and so my exposure to that was greater and there's probably more of that than there would have been if i had been writing in new york Mm -hmm. um it's weak it's weakest i would say on the west coast pacific northwest Mm -hmm. in terms of like the regional cheeses that don't really leave the west coast Mm -hmm. um because that's not an area where I've spent a huge amount of time mm-hmm. tasting and working. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's influenced by my own my own right. biases right. Um, and shopping and and shopping where you shop. Um, yeah, and then there there were cheeses that I just there are cheeses that I think are exceptionally well made, important cheeses that are not very readily available but I think you've got it I think I think you have to talk about them when you talk about the world of cheese like a, a cheese like Solaire's or mm-hmm. um, a cheese like like Etivas mm-hmm. um, or a cheese like there's a Tennessee creamery called Sequachi Cove that I think is they're making some of the best cheeses right now in the United States and you know you can't find them easily but but I if wanted to them, talk about should. them because right, I right. think they're so good and important. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so it's in that sense, it becomes pretty subjective. Okay. Um, but, you know, I will also say the process of making a book is really slow and you can't. What, what's maddening to me is like you hit a point where your editorial team won't let you make any changes. <laughs> and, and, and right. For, and so new cheeses but literally might be like coming for me with this book, that pro, that that my opportunity to make changes ended a year ago. Oh. So stuff changes in our industry and like, you know, you couldn't, put I couldn't it in. necessarily uh-huh. react to changes that okay. were happening. So that's, you know. Okay. I thought maybe you also did it on the intensity scale that you wanted to go from mild to intense yes. in a, in a category and have a place everywhere on the, that's, on the yeah, continuum. No, that's definitely true. True. I wanted to have sort of a fair representation, but my problem was more that I had I had more than I could many. include, and right. I had to winnow right. it right. down. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's time for us to take a break. Uh, we're on Cutting the Curd on Heritage Radio Network. I'm ca- talking to Liz Thorpe on her book, The Book of Cheese. Today's program is brought to you by Neil's Yard Dairy. Neil's Yard Dairy selects, matures, and sells farmhouse cheese from the UK and Ireland. They work with about 40 cheesemakers, they visit them regularly to taste their cheese, and select the batches they want to mature and sell. Amongst the cheeses they select, there is a great deal of variability. Cheese can change hugely depending on how it's treated. They have a range of temperature and humidity controlled maturation facilities at their warehouse in London, run by a team who are dedicated to ensuring that they sell their cheese at its best. As the cheese is maturing, they continue to taste through the stock to ensure they're aware of how it is developing over time. When the cheese is ready, their attention turns to directing the right cheese into the hands of the right customer. They have three cheese shops in London, an online shop, and they're a regular site at markets around the country and have a UK and international wholesale trade. For more information, visit neilsyarddairy.co.uk.
we're back from the break at, on Cutting the Curd, Diane Stemple talking to Liz Thorpe about her book. Um, and now we're going to talk about the gateway system of categorizing, categorizing cheese with the hopes of helping customers find what they like. Correct? That's how you would... Yeah, definitely. Okay. I'm like... This started, as I said, when I worked on the counter and I found people would come in and look at 350 cheeses and they didn't know. And I didn't know. Right. Because I had just started working. I didn't know what the 300 cheeses were. Right. So I would say, "Uh, what do you like? Mm -hmm. And they would say cheddar or I hate blue or Mm -hmm. anything but goat. Mm -hmm. And that. So it's like that's how it started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the gateways Liz has chosen are mozzarella, brie, Havarti, Taleggio, Manchego, which makes me think of Cielo saying, the cheese that starts with an M, <laughs> cheddar, Swiss, Parmesan, blue, and the misfits. Yes. So first of all, cheese snob of me mm-hmm. and in me rebels against the use of Havarti. Okay. Why Havarti? That's a great question. That's so um <laughs> I'll, I'll before I answer your question, I will I will tell you that I play a game with my non-food friends. Okay. Um where I say, you know, when I was writing the book where I, I would say, "Can you guess the nine gateway cheeses?" Okay. And usually people would get seven or eight of them, but mm-hmm. Havarti was often the one that they didn't get. So here's ah, the answer. Interesting. To, here's the answer to why Havarti is a gateway cheese. Okay. Because it was going to be the Gouda gateway. Okay. But young Gouda and aged Gouda are so radically different in terms of flavor and texture that, in my opinion, they might as well be two different cheeses. If you're selling red wax Gouda to someone for six ninety nine a pound or you're selling, you know, a two-year-aged La Muse Gouda, it happens to both be Gouda, but otherwise, in name only, mm-hmm. are they similar? Mm-hmm. Okay. And in this book, mm. aged Gouda is in the Parmesan gateway. Yes, that's so another question I, I couldn't have. have a Gouda gateway. Right, and okay. Then, and then have the Goudas in two different places. Oh, that, so now I elim- that's a good I eliminated answer. my problem by making it the Havarti gateway. Okay, and but... Y- and young Gouda is in that, right. is in but that chapter. But you even say, you say Havarti is sexy somewhere in this book. It is, because none of us, <laughs> cheese people, we don't eat pedestrian, boring, basic things like Havarti. But if you eat, I mean, (laughs) sit down with a piece of room temperature Havarti. I will like it. A good double cream room temperature Havarti. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I think I say in the book, it's like a baby's thigh. It's like that sexy, like little (laughs) bit of that, like the sexy roll on your waist. It's squishy (laughs) and it's buttery it's got a little bit of a tang the cheeses in that gateway melt like a dream i mean they're they're not complex mm-hmm. you know a havarti is not like a mind-blowing no. no. mind-blowingly complex cheese but it doesn't purport to be and it doesn't cost mind-blowingly complex prices so mm-hmm. okay so some comments on the on the categories manchego i do agree with you that it's gone in, in the 15 years we've been in the cheese business, it's gone from being somewhat unique to being a very regular cheese. Totally. When, when yeah. we, when, and I remember, Diane, I won't date us, um, <laughs> but when we started, you know, in the cheese business, it, it, 
at Murray's in 2002, we had a young Manchego and an aged Manchego. And that was like radical. I mean, it was like there was like a four month one and an eight month one. And then mm-hmm. and then we got one that was in oil. And it yes, was like, I remember then there the were oil. three Manchegos and people would come in and be like, what is this like exotic cheese? And now it's sort of I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, God, don't talk about Manchego in New York. People will kick you out of their houses because you're so you're so boring. <laughs> <laughs> but but then when I started working in um, opening Murray's shops in Dayton, Ohio with Kroger in 2007 and no one had heard of Menchego and I gave people a taste and it was the first time they'd ever had a sheep milk cheese. Mm-hmm. And they were like, this is really good. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, it is. You know, it's fat <laughs> and it's a little sweet and it, you know, put quince paste on it. And people were like, whoa, mind blown. <laughs> so, you know, all in due time. Oh. Okay, and I am surprised. I mean, I'm not surprised taste-wise, but I'm surprised brain-wise to find the aged goudas in the Parmesan category. Yes. How did you decide that? Did you... Because they look... Because here, this is the answer to every question about this book. Because when I take cheese to a party and I put it on the table (laughs) and regular people gather... Regular people, because we all cheese people. people. It's like we're like we're we're like architects. We all like hang out together too much. So you put it on the table for regular people, and they all go, "Oh my god, this is like, is this Parmesan? This is so good." And I say, "No, it's not. It's aged Gouda." Oh, I've had like I've had Gouda before. Like this isn't Gouda. Ah. So uh. it's really, I mean, it's crunchy. It's crystallized. Mm -hmm. You chunk it up. It's Mm -hmm. got. You know, nutty, butterscotchy notes. And to someone who's not well-versed in cheese, it's very, it it looks a lot like Parmesan. (laughs) Okay. Now, the misfits. Yeah. I was shocked to find the soft, ripened goats in the misfits category. Yeah. They should have their own category. What else would be in it? I Maybe they could be by themselves. But then I feel like that's not helpful. It's too small a category. Well, because most people don't walk into a cheese shop and say, I'd really like something that's like Seltzer Cher, please. (laughs) I mean, again, maybe they do like in a few shops in San Francisco, Chicago and New York, but they don't. It's not a common. It's Mm. it's like that's rarely where people start. Okay. so um, I mean, um, and, and also they're not. They're, you know, again, like technically speaking, yes, they are mold ripened. Yes, they are soft ripened, but they're not, they don't don't look like brie and they don't taste like brie. And that's, that's really the thing people know. Um, They look weird. They look like brains. They're like green (laughs) and blue. You know, they're, they're just sort of like, what is this? They don't belong. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about some of the categories. Which are your favorites? Which would you like to talk about first? I mean, my favorites, like I'm, I'm well on record that soft, stinky cheeses are my favorites. So mm-hmm. the intense end of the flavor spectrum in the Brie Gateway, mm-hmm. um, mid to intense in the Telegio Gateway. Mm-hmm. Um, those okay. are my favorite. Those are the cheeses I buy, like when I'm yeah. just buying cheese to eat for dinner. Mm-hmm. Now, the Telegio Gateway. So you start with Gabine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was stronger. Well, I mean, yeah. So... That, that is something I should have said way in the beginning when you asked me what was hard about this. Cause, and I realized after all these years, I forgot to actually say this anywhere in the book, but uh-huh. wine people have it easy because 
wine may change from vintage to vintage, but that means you're covered for an entire year where everything that's made is going to be the same for that year. Mm. And cheese is more variable. I mean, in, it, it, it's, it's not only more variable, but it's like everyone along the supply chain can change it. That's true. For better or more likely for worse. Right. So, um, you know, that was a hard, that was, that was a hard thing about the book because I did tie a cheese to a flavor intensity. Mm -hmm. And I would say like, this is an example of sort of a milder, more approachable Taleggio style. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, you can have that cheese and it can be not mild. It can be really it can be really intense, especially if it's older. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but this was basically like every cheese in this book I tasted multiple times, often mm-hmm. from multiple sources, and mm-hmm. then I cross-referenced all my notes. Okay. So this was sort of my best attempt to, <laughs> okay. to peg something. Okay. And um, then in the middle of the Telegio category is Isabella, which I don't know. Mm-hmm. Where's from ancient heritage, yeah. Okay. Um, it was like one of the West Coasters who made it in. Uh-huh. Um, and it's interesting because I had that in a completely different chapter. Mm-hmm. It, I tasted it. Uh, you know, I, we used to sell it at Murray's, and then I tasted it out at the California Artisan Cheese Festival a few years ago, and I sort of like a couple of different places. And um, It went from which category? Where did it come from? I think from? I had it in, in the... In Brie? In the Miss... No, I had it in Brie, yes. Oh, Okay. And then it was like, and then the last couple of times I tasted it, it was much more, it was much more washed rindy. Mm-hmm. It was very olivey. It was very mm-hmm. briny. It was, it was, it was totally different from mm-hmm. my like previous impressions of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in that category, you sort of start with like the yeasty, yeasty, doughy, briny flavor profile and you mm-hmm. move into more of like cured meat. Saucy sans sec mm-hmm. flavor, mm-hmm. and then the intense end of that spectrum winds up like at a at a cheese maybe like great Meadow Creek Grayson. Mm-hmm. Um, that was your last cheese, yeah, in Meadow- one category. Now, uh, and I thought, hmm, I don't remember it being that strong. Yeah, can it, it vary, or do you get it uh, closer? I mean, I I actually I think because there are so few raw milk cheeses left in that style Uh I I find and again remember I mean I guess for me intensity isn't necessarily like strong like the most stinky it's the most intense like the most complex the most lingering the Ah, most full of flavor okay okay it's kind of like the culmination of a chapter Uh, okay Um, that makes more sense doesn't necessarily have to mean it's like the most ass kicking okay Um, so it's but it's quite a compliment yeah from you yeah and and i mean every time i tasted grayson i I mean it is one like but I'm biased. It's one of my favorite cheeses, but <laughs> it had so many flavor layers and it really just was, to me, it was sort of the apex of what this style could be. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And every time I tasted it at different ages. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so it wound up at a 10. Mm-hmm. Now, I wonder also, when did you uh, fall in love with American cheese? Do you remember? Because I feel like at Murray's we weren't too American in the beginning. Oh, really? I feel like I remember it. So I remember that in the beginning, Murray's, in the beginning, like, oh, 
2003, mm-hmm. 04, we were carrying American cheeses, even though most of them were really bad. <laughs> and they were. They were not good, and they were really expensive. And we carried them because it was important. Right. And because we were a full-service cheese shop, we could hand-sell cheese in a way that maybe other shops couldn't. And mm-hmm. we could, like, push them out mm-hmm. to the right person. Mm-hmm. The first time I, I remember, okay, so I remember tasting Cato Corner Hooligan at Green Market, the New York City Farmer's Market. It was before I worked at Murray's. Mm-hmm. So it was probably 2000 or 2001. And mm-hmm. I remember, th- and it is a Telegio, it would, you know, it's in the Telegio right. gateway. It's a right. washed rind cow's milk cheese. I remember thinking it was the most profoundly delicious, mind-blowing food I had ever had Mm -hmm. and coming in when I started working at Murray's, which I did part-time in the beginning and, and saying like, there's this cheese that like I've discovered that no one, you know, that you don't know about that we have to sell here. And it's this cheese and everyone behind the counter was like, you idiot, like that cheese, it's like so inconsistent. It's so expensive. (laughs) We're not going to sell that cheese here. And I remember thinking like, we're missing, (laughs) we're missing the boat on this great thing. Um, that's the first time I remember really thinking like, mm-hmm. and actually the other thing is that the cheese that made me truly quit my job and go work in cheese was Judy Shad's. And I probably still to this day pronounce it wrong. If I don't know if it's Wabash or Wabash, but her cannonball. Oh, I call it Wabash. Cannonball. Wabash. See, we should ask Judy yeah. what the correct pronunciation Isn't is. Isn't it a city? Wabash. And probably, mm-hmm. um, but I had that cheese at Artisanal, the restaurant, in mm-hmm. 2000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, I, when, oh. I, when working, when when I was just starting to f- fall in love with the idea of cheese. And it, that cheese, and, I, and again. I don't think it was open in 2000. I think it opened in 2001. 2001. Yeah. I was still with my college boyfriend. Oh, okay. So it had, I could, <laughs> I could tell you the date that that ended. But um, yeah, he took me on a date there. And we had that cheese. And it was so good on the cheese board that we, that I bought one to take home. Ah. And, and so at small, that at so that time, can. like I didn't know mm-hmm. that it was an American cheese, and right, that was a right, big deal. Right. I just remember thinking, like, and you didn't know it was your future life. I wanted it to be, but I didn't <laughs> have the guts at that point yet to to make it my life. Uh huh. Well, I want to thank you for coming in. Oh, thanks. Um, thanks we for haven't me. had a chance to discuss all the categories, but they're great. It's a big and book. So. It is a big book. <laughs> it's heavy. It's got really nice pictures in it. Do you think it will? It does. Yeah, Very nice pictures. Do you think it will ever be um, paperback? I have no idea. These are the sort of mis- the, yeah. the mysteries of the publishing industry. I'm guessing not, but I, maybe I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, because it's so big, you know, only. Yes, it would make it lighter. (laughs) Okay, so thanks very much. This is Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd saying goodbye to Liz Thorpe, whose book, Book of Cheese, is a wonderful new addition to the cheese library. Thanks, Diane. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.